Hey, Pappy, did you hear that? Sure did, Missy. That's one of those Black Panther things. <laughs> Stop <laughs> laughing. <laughs> and the mountain lore lives on. Um, for the record, folks, that's actually a fox that you just heard. And this is Stephanie Payne. I'm here with my partner, Daryl Ratajak, for another Wildlife for You podcast. I am so... Uh, <laughs> I just want to tell you that was not me that was doing the grandpa voice. I, <clears throat> I hired a stand-in to do that. But mm-hmm. uh, thank you so much for the introduction. My voice will never be the same after that. <clears throat> anyway, uh, I am so looking forward to this topic, Steph. This is, this is one of my favorite topics of all. It's also one of my most frustrating topics as a wildlife biologist, because what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the famed Black Panther yeah, I agree. Um, but this transcends a simple wildlife discussion. This really delves into the the psyche of society. So honestly, this this is actually more a human phenomenon than a natural phenomenon. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and before we dive into the whole heart of this issue, I will be the first to admit you are much more knowledgeable about large cats than I am. And so to to get this podcast podcast kicked off. Tell me, what, what exactly is a Black Panther? We're going to be talking about this for a little while. So tell, tell me, what is a Black Panther? Okay. Um, well, so Panther is, is actually just common language title for Panthera, which is, as, as you know, and everybody else will now know, a genus within the family Felidae. So originally this order was actually just for some spotted cats, but that was revised a, a little over 100 years ago to include, um, let me think, tigress, uh, um, you mean tigers? Tigers. Uh, Leo. Uh, or lions for the common folk. <laughs> and along with some spotted cats like Anka. Jaguar. Pardis. Leopard. And now even Unkia. Unkia, the, the good old snow leopard. <laughs> yes. So congratulations. You have passed your biology course on kitties right now. So the reason um, things like this change over time, uh, why we say that, that it was changed over 100 years ago, and now that the, um, the snow leopard is included, is actually because of genetics. So many, many moons ago, people really only had the ability to rely on what they could see, hear, or feel to make a determination on if two animals were the same species or not, or how closely related they even were. So you can see why somebody looking at a lion, tiger, and a jaguar, um, and a cougar could easily sell, well, we've got four cats um, that are obviously cats, but they must be different because that obviously the tiger has stripes, the jaguar has spots, and the last two, you know, they're solidly tawny, but the males of this one have these giant manes and they're just huge. So relying on our eyes, it would actually be pretty easy to assume that you have four distinct species there. Um, and that's what we actually call a, a phenotypic description, or it's a description that's describing the physical attributes or difference in physical traits that we can see, hear, or feel. So if we fast forward that to today, we start to understand genetics a little more. And now with genetic analysis, we can actually determine if a species truly belongs in the same order. And that's why the, the snow leopard now has recently migrated from Unkia Unkia to Panthera Unkia. Um, so it went from being a, a different genus to now being included with, with the, the other panthera. So anyhow, before I bore everyone to tears, a black panther, to answer your original question, is the, the common language term for a melanistic leopard um, or a jaguar. Melanistic simply means it's all black. It's the, the opposite of albinistic or an albino. Um, if it's melanistic, it's, it's an all black cat. So black panther is an all black um, jaguar or leopard. Wait a minute, though. If you're saying it's a jaguar or leopard, we don't even have those cats in North America, except obviously some people will point to uh, a jaguar kind of being in Central America where they sometimes every once in a great blue moon wander up to that uh, Arizona-Mexico border, but that's typically only one cat. Yeah, exactly. So now you know why it's considered mountain lore. Yes, I get it. But... Now, I'm saying mountain lore, and I hate stumbling so much on this, but uh, it's it's usually like these rural communities in obviously Appalachia, uh, 
lots of those far and away places tucked in in the east have legends of them but if i'm not mistaken even like native americans talk about black panthers don't they yeah so that's why this is more of a discussion about human psyche um another thing to note that i hope everybody noted our panther discussion just a second ago is that cougars were nowhere to be found when we were talking about all those pantheras because they're not even in the same genus they're they're not even a cousin they're more like a a second or third cousin um and they're in the genus puma so just to kind of bring some clarity to that okay well let's let's stick on this whole biology issue and uh let's clarify for the audience what kind of cats do we have in north america in since most of our listeners tend to be in the United States, let's let's focus on on what they're used to. So, what kind of wild cats or what kind of cats are we expected to see here in the U.S.? Gotcha. So I didn't know I was going to get pop quiz too. So um, get my <sighs> finger counting fingers out here. So obviously, um, my favorite, which is the the cougar. Um, That's isn't that. Okay, I'll I'll be the nerd this time. I'll I'll give the scientific name. So cougar, that's puma concolor. Correct. And then we have lynx, which should be lynx canadensis. If we're talking about our our neighbors up north, correct. We've got a bobcat, which is lynx rufus, and because that's in the same species as a regular lynx, they're very similar looking cats. That is correct. Um, we've got the ocelot. Ooh, you're quizzing me now. That's Leopardus pardalis, I believe. Oh, you're passing so far. Let me throw you this one then. A Jaguarende. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna kinda quiz me on my pronunciation. That's Puma Yagarunde. Puma Yagarunde, yes. And you'll notice that one started with Puma as well, just like our Puma Concolor. So yeah. and then I don't want to leave them out. Uh, we've got the Jaguar. And that's Panthera Anka. You mentioned him before. I did. So you don't get any points for that one. And then, um, <laughs> of course, the, the most common of all in your pop quiz bonus question, we've got feral cats. Oh, the bane of, of wildlife all across the world, I think. <laughs> it's Probably. Felis Catus, I believe. Felis Catus, yes. That's like the... The, the simplest name we could ever have so but anyway I, I think that now since you took on the nerd role for that one I think you're just showing off but you know you get credit yeah, yeah. no I, I try to show off whenever I can but um, okay we, we talked about six wild cats in North America now a couple of those you, you had the ocelot and the jagarunde which not many people know about where where are those cats typically found and like are there a lot of them um, well, so, so the ocelot and the jaguar, and they actually got a, quite a few things in common when we're talking on those topics. So, um, you know, both of them are pretty small, um, probably about twice the size of, of your normal house cat. Granted, now that's going to depend on what people would consider a normal house cat. So I'm going to say they both weigh in, you know, somewhere between like you know, 12 and, and 35 pounds. The ocelot being the slightly bigger jaguar's got a, you know, he's only like 12 to 18 pounds, but both of those cats are primarily um, going to be way down south kitties. So for the Jaguar Day, um, you're talking Central America, uh, all the way well down into to South America, um, and then for for the ocelot, you're you know southwestern United States, but pretty much further south, all the way again down into South America. Um, from time to time, you're you're going to find some that may like to find their way to the the tip of the American Southwest, but no, there's not going to be a whole lot of either one of those cats around. Okay, as far so as again, our, our range to the United States, you're not going to see many of them. If, yeah, if, so unless you live along that Texas Mexico border, the the chance of you seeing either one of those two species is pretty much next to next to nothing. Nothing. Yeah, okay. I'd say that's completely uh, accurate. So, so let's jump up to a couple of the more common, like next size up and talk a little bit about lynx and bobcat. Where, where are those found? Okay. So, and again, um, like you were just mentioning when you were showing off with all that scientific nomenclature there, um, these are, they're still smallish. They're not, they're not quite as small, really. They're, you know, 18 to to 40 pounds. And that would be a a really big cat. um, If it was a 40 pound cat, Uh, the bobcat, just the, the, the basic bobcat that the most people in the United States are going to be used to is 
going to be really common actually, because they, their range literally just spans the entire, the entire U S and they go up into Canada and, and down into Mexico a smidge too. But now the, the lynx canadensis or the Canada lynx, um, that one, the name kind of is a, as a giveaway, mostly you're going to find these guys up in Canada. Um, they probably have the, the accent to go along with it. You might <laughs> yeah. find a few of them that, uh, that go down into the Rockies, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You stole my punchline there. Um, no, no, you, you're good. But uh, you, you kind of mentioned uh, not just Canada, but the the Rockies. So it's it seems to me that they are either a high elevation or cold latitude type of cat. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That is correct. And their fur shows it. They they definitely um, just look like the the fluffier version of the two cats other than that they do have so many similar characteristics that i mean it's pretty obvious that they belong together in the in the taxonomy all right cat nerd what is their favorite prey then oh gosh um you know i I can't tell you that i I hang out with all of them in every state and ask them this but well you know what i am the cat nerd why don't you go ahead and you tell me (laughs) and i want and i this to be the common prey item across the entire geographic region for both of those since that's what you <laughs> well tip- typically lynx love to prey on snowshoe hare and, and the cool thing is most people know snowshoe hare have those huge giant back feet which help keep yeah. them keep them afloat on top of the surface of the snow the adaptation with the lynx is they too have those giant back feet and designed pretty much like that snowshoe hair and that's how they that's how they get around in some of those deep snow conditions just for the record i would like to clarify that since i was putting both of them in in, you know being such similar you know kissing cousins and whatnot i actually thought you were asking that question about bobcats and lynx oh lynx canadensis so that's why i was like i can't say that because you know i'm gonna i'm gonna say rabbits but then you know my was going to pop out some randoid facts. Well, well, no, I, I'm so glad you kind of brought that up because real quick, we won't stay on this too long. What, when it comes to the primary diet of bobcats, since they are the most common wildcat in North America, what, what is a typical, um, not the, the one and only, but what do they typically prey on? Oh, that that's actually a really good question that I could also let you, um, you answer because <laughs> I would be more prone to wanting to talk about those, those extreme things that people think they can't eat that I find interesting. But as a general rule, I'm going to call out rabbits and uh, rodentia and things of that, yes. that nature. And, and, and that's it. You, you mentioned the size, typically 10 pounds to a really big bobcat being 40 pounds. Their main diet is going to be those, those smaller-ish animals, whether or not it's rabbits, woodchucks. I'm sorry, I know that's your favorite animal. Uh, chipmunks, um, you, you name squirrels are a big one, big part of their diet. Yep. And but so, we need to be clear that one of those 40 pounders can in fact take down a deer. A lot of times, you know, people are like, that can't be a bobcat. It's taking down a deer. And that happens. Yeah, it, it's, albeit it's extremely rare. The main part of their deer diet is going to be fawns. So when fawns hit the ground, because they're a much smaller prey item to tackle, uh, whenever bobcats do eat deer, it's typically a fawn or a really small deer. Um, now, they, if they're stressed, they will go after a bigger deer, but that is a rarity. So, yeah. okay, we knocked out four of the smallish cats. Let's talk about the big boys. Um, let's talk about the big boys. Let's, let's the knock out the biggest boy first. Let, let's knock uh, out that. Uh, well, so that's actually, are you talking biggest boy and, and mass? Okay, so you're talking weight. I was, I was going to try to get you there so um being apex predators i know a little more about these guys so the biggest guy you're talking about the jaguar and the jaguar is one robust beefy compact large cat um and i say that only because if you've if you've worked with jaguars and cougars um there there really is a a drastic difference in their body type because the jaguar it is uh, he is nothing but this giant mass of muscle. So when you're talking a 125 to 250 pound cat, which that is a huge Jaguar, just for the record, um, they're nothing but this ball of, of taut muscle. Um, now, again, so going further into the Jaguar, you're going to look at an average of about four to six foot in length, a uh, couple feet tall at the shoulder. They can get a little, little taller, a little shorter, obviously. And we've got 
what we call uh, in the, the bio world, they're sexually dimorphic, meaning uh, simply that in this case, the males are larger than the females. Um, and when we look at their range, mostly again, they're, they're down south. Uh, they're in Mexico and then they continue on further south uh, all the way down into South America. But like you mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, there are rare cats that will wander into the American Southwest. Yeah, and so. I believe there's, there, there's, a, there's a famous one called El Jefe, who, believe yeah. it or not, he hasn't been spotted in, I believe, over three years. And so we were, we, we've been keeping an eye on that cat for a number of years as it would make its way across the border and into the U.S. And we got our hopes up. Uh, about three years ago because we spotted a different cat and it was not El Jefe because, and their, their coat, that spotted coat can be used more or less as a fingerprint. And unfortunately that cat about a year later ended up uh, showing up in the black market as a pelt in the fur trade. And so, yeah. anyway, as far as one of these days, we're going to have to do a, a podcast on the illegal animal trade yeah that, anyway that would, that would be a good one okay so last but not least talk about yeah my favorite the famed cougar so uh the cougar is is another really really big cat uh, probably about the fourth largest cat in the world but admittedly again if you've worked side by side with cougars and jaguars the cougar is not nearly as stocky so they can the males can can tip in at you know 200 pounds so it doesn't sound like it's a lot um, a lot less muscular, but they're a little, you know, they're a little taller. They're generally over two feet at the shoulders um, and their length. The length is really what we have to talk about with the cougar because the overall length of a cougar is around six to eight feet. I am including the, the tail in that. So, but they, they really, um, they're still muscular. They're still sleek. They're still gorgeous. But on the flip side, again, uh, to really appreciate it, you have to go somewhere where you can see a live jaguar and a live cougar. Um, because they, they are definitely different. But yeah, the cougar is an absolutely amazing cat. So when we're talking about range of the cougar, you're looking at, um, well, a little west of the Mississippi um, and then continuing on towards the, the Pacific Ocean. Of course, they can go up north. They can go down south, down into Mexico, into um, Central America, into South America. They're up into Canada, um, not up as far as like as Alaska. So they don't like those super, super cold regions. Um, but they, they don't mind the cold at all. They're, you know, British Columbia, uh, Alberta, those kinds of things. And then they used to go all the way from coast to coast. But now, um, as far as the east is concerned, there is only a, a small pocket population down in the Florida Everglades. So you just caused about half of our people to hang up right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope not. because you know, Facts are the facts. Yeah, because cougars are found in every state in the east from Tennessee, Alabama, <laughs> Kentucky, Virginia, you name it. There's cougars all over the place. So Yeah, because um, they're always seeing that large wild cat. But honestly, it, it's pretty easy. It depends on where the sighting happened. So if you look at the given cat populations in North America, and we exclude the feral kitties, the 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 actual feral house cats that... And I hate to even say house cats because just because somewhere some down, you know, people own some doesn't mean that all of these cats have any kind of ancestry that relates to the house. Um, but bobcats probably are going to be your primary suspect. So if, if you're talking about the Western United States, you know what? It could be a cougar because that's known cougar range. Um, it is in Western North America. But with the only cougar population in the east um, being down in southern Florida near the Everglades, that and, and just for the record, that population is fairly small. Uh, it's only about 120 individuals. So just the logic is that most likely they're talking about a bobcat or a feral cat. Okay. So just to be clear, what you're saying is pretty much east of the Mississippi River, um, unless you're in Florida, you're probably not going to be seeing a cougar anywhere in the east. At so, least, At least put it this way. I, maybe... Okay, how about a cougar living in the east? Okay, well, that's that's actually a, a great um, word that you you popped in there because my, my first question would be to define what you mean by live. Okay, um, well, okay, what can possibly explain all these cougar sightings that come in every year in every state? They, they've got to be living there in order in order for people to be seeing them, correct? 
Um, well, for, so for starters, again, we don't see nearly as many misidentified cats coming from the West. And there's a solid possibility that that's because there are actual cougars that live out in the West. So mistaking a, a small cat, and, and by that, I don't mean a house cat. I mean, if you, you include a bobcat for such a, a legitimately large cat is really not prone to occur. So most of the air quotes, I, I say it was a cougar reports can be chalked up to just a clear misunderstanding on the legitimate actual size of a cougar. So again, those don't normally come from the West. That's going to be a whole lot that are coming from the East. But on, on top of that, size really does play tricks on your mind because, you know, we don't have cats walking around with a yardstick stick kind of taped vertically to their side so that they can show how tall they are, or how long they are. Um, so you know, there's really, it's, it's hard to determine the size of things. And then if you add in any kind of a low light situation or some kind of a grainy film that doesn't show everything, it really is a recipe for misidentification. So um, no, you'd, you'd really, I know that a lot of people say that they see cougars and do cougars live here, but no, to live here, they have to have a, a sustainable population. Uh, I shouldn't even say sustainable. They have to have a breeding population. You have to have an established, not leaving um, set of, of cougars to say that they live here. Um, you have to have males, females, you know, again, kind of staying put um, and doing what cougars do. So that people inherently, they see what they want to see and they forget what's most logical. So of course, you know, um, that's just kind of the, the way of things. But then, you know, I, I really, before I start to just go on a kind of a rampage, I can't, neglect also all of those faked pictures that that we see there's one um when we talk about black panthers specifically there's this image of this black leopard that's from a south african reserve that was caught on a trail cam in the south african reserve and and that picture does a circuit on the internet uh, every couple three years so one year it's it's cropped up and it's supposedly a picture taken off a trail cam in Tennessee. And then a couple of years later, it's a picture taken off a trail cam in Texas. And then it's Carolinas or Kentuckys. And, and I tell you what, that little guy, he does more trips than a hippie at a Grateful Dead concert. <laughs> no, I, I know exactly which picture you're talking about. There's a few pictures that are like just the poster child for internet scams, but let's go um, back to the whole, your mind playing tricks on you because there, there are, millions of people that live east of the Mississippi that go out in the woods and there are thousands of sightings of cougars in like I said in almost every state there's hundreds if not thousands in almost every state where people will see a cougar with their own eyes and it can't be that every single one of them is wrong haven't there been like a couple of cases like where cat has showed up in the east wasn't there one in was it connecticut yeah yeah actually yes there was um so but first off that doesn't mean that we have cougars it means that you know a couple three cougars were on a walkabout they were either looking for love in all the wrong places or just trying to find their own little no place like home so um and your your question for example in 2011 yes there was a male cougar that was from the black hills south dakota population that wandered literally like 1500 miles, um, which is a, a record breaking trek uh, before it was actually struck and killed by a car in Connecticut, just about 70 miles from New York City. So um, he really, really went on a walkabout. And he, he was sort of a young cat. They estimated his age to be between two and five years old. So likely because he was a male because of his age, he was literally just wandering around looking for that perfect home that had some cool local girl cats that he could hang out with and some solid natural resources that would satisfy his needs. Um, but the, the problem is, sadly, going east, he was never going to find his female company. And it's, it's kind of a sad story when you think about it that way. But he was literally, he went the wrong direction to ever find a female um, territory that he could set up shop next to and and be happy and live out the rest of his little cougar days. So, yeah, you know more about that Connecticut cat. And I love playing the part of, of the dumb reporter asking you all these questions, but I know a little bit about some of these wandering cats. Uh, in case anyone's wondering, I, I served as the big game coordinator in the state of Tennessee for a number of years. And one of my jobs was I would always be sent photographs or people would call me they they 
saw a cougar and and it was my job to more or less figure out what they saw and, and believe me as a wildlife biologist i was dying to find a cougar in tennessee and here's the thing i i was getting ready to head west to fulfill a childhood dream this is back in 2015 and i spent almost 15 years like looking for cats as part of my job in tennessee could not find any evidence whatsoever of of cougars within the state no matter the hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of trail camera pictures I looked at or, or paw prints or anything like that. And so ironically, I moved out West and literally three weeks after I left the state of Tennessee, a cougar showed up on a trail camera in the far Northwestern corner of the state. Mm-hmm. And it, it was kind of funny because prior to that, like 10 years prior to that, myself and all the other biologists within the state, we would talk about, when and where do you think the first cougar will come into the state? Because we knew that cougar populations kind of in other parts of the country were growing and they expand. And one day we hoped a cougar would make its way to Tennessee. And so it showed up in the northwestern portion, Obion County, in the fall of 2015. And it's one of those crystal clear trail camera pictures, which... <laughs> I was so happy yeah. to see because you know, as well as I, when someone says, aha, I got a picture of a cougar and then they send you this, this grainy picture photo of a blob. Yeah. Yeah. You got like an ear and an eye that are four inches away from the camera. Everything out of focus. Everything yep. out of focus or like half the body's behind a tree and the other half is like behind some, some bushes. And, and it's ridiculous because we cannot confirm anything. We cannot deny anything. We can't confirm anything with those photos. And so eventually this, this cougar is a crystal clear photo of a cougar on a trail camera in northwestern Tennessee. And so that cougar, lo and behold, went on a walkabout. It started heading eastward towards the Tennessee River Valley. And over the course of the, like the next 10 months, about every month or so, another photo, crystal clear photo would come in and we could literally track the biologists at the time since I had left were literally tracking that cat as it walked. And mm-hmm. you have photograph after photograph and this chronological sequence showing where this cat wandered. And it, it, was, it was kind of funny because the revelation from the public was, aha, you admit they're here. And I was like, aha, <laughs> we finally have one. Yeah. Yeah, we finally have the one. Yes. And and people say, well, that proves they're here. Here's the thing, Steph. What happened is that cat showed up in the fall of 2015. and the summer of 2016, it disappeared south central Tennessee. And so presumably got killed. Don't know if it was intentional. The cat died natural cause. It disappeared off off the landscape completely. And there's not a single picture of it since not a picture of any cat anywhere in the state of tennessee since and so that is yeah that's my positive i'm like that event doesn't show that cougars are in tennessee it shows cougars are not in tennessee because when one cat shows up it gets photographed and we we knew it was there and so um anyway i'll probably end up not about that in a few minutes so, so okay besides that connecticut and i knew the one in tennessee wasn't there yeah so there was one in kentucky okay. um yeah and okay well i gotta back up a second because i just need my my two seconds of oh, i told you so <laughs> to yeah, no this is this is my literal i told you so moment so you know i, I talked to a whole lot of cougar organizations um and i had been saying this vehemently that I really thought before one came up from the Everglades because of the amount of people that it would have to go through to get, you know, this far North. I was like, now one's going to cross over um, and come over in, in Western Tennessee. Everybody told me I was crazy because of the, this we'll just air quote the small geographic barrier that's there, which I think you're not familiar with your geography, (laughs) the Mississippi river. Yeah. And everybody, no, no, this cat's never, you know, the cats aren't going to cross over the Mississippi. And so lo and behold, it was beautiful to, to be right with her. And also second thing that was very unique about the Tennessee cat. um, She was inadvertently, you know, she was shot by a hunter, but not uh, with a bow and arrow because the, the hunter was obviously afraid. Again, Tennessee doesn't have cats, so he sees this cat. It's too close to him for his own comfort. He gave her 
a warning shot, but he brought the arrow in and they had some genetic testing done on it. And it was a South, um, South Hills, Dakota population, excuse me, the Black Hills, South Dakota population, easy for me to say, um, which wasn't so like terribly interesting, but the super interesting thing was it was a girl. I know. Uh, very female cougars go on a walk about for that bar. Now she's not alone. The one that, that ended up in Tennessee, she's not by herself in the category of serious, you know, nomadic cat that's a female, but she is in some very limited company. So, yeah. but anyway, um, I had my mom, I told you so, but anyway, so yeah, there was a cougar that was killed in Kentucky that, um, that we probably do need to talk about. Cause I don't know nearly as much about that one. It was, it went out in a bad, you know, the, the publicity for it went out in a bad way and it was immediately brought down to a, a, a hush hush thing. So I can't tell you that I was super in the loop on it, but I can tell you, that what it does bring into question is the rare possibility also of a captive cat that was either escaped or released. So in Kentucky, that's actually what they, uh, they were inclined to say that they um, had, had taken, uh, had put down in their state. So it is something that we probably didn't need to, to say that from time to time, there is the possibility of a captive cat that was escaped um, or had been released. Yeah, because I believe that Kentucky cat upon necropsy, one of the glaring things was the cat had literally next to no parasites within its intestines, which is it's literally not possible for a wild cat because they're scavenging. They're they're just eating a whole host of pretty gross stuff after they make a kill and it sits there for a week and they're still eating on it. Yeah, they're going to pick up parasites and to have a, a cougar that was literally devoid of internal parasites is a really strong indication it probably wasn't a wild cat but um yeah it's funny because you mentioned the the folks that you worked with were thinking that a cat would come up from the from the everglades first because the mississippi river is this daunting obstacle wasn't there wasn't there a cat that was somewhere up around like the alabama georgia line that got killed yeah um, so that cat, it did end up being a, a nomadic roaming male from the South Florida population. But, and again, it was a young male that was looking for that perfect place to settle down with some good, exciting females and good resources. Um, but again, it was really sad because he wasn't going to find that, that perfect place to settle down. And he would have been, been doing himself a favor if he would have headed West. But, um, and, and I don't want to sound like, well, here's proof. Like, like you just said, that there's tons of cats that are roaming around because we just talked about one in Connecticut and then Georgia, Alabama, and we got Tennessee. You know, so I don't want to make it sound like, obviously, we have cougars because we're, we're talking about these cougars being in the eastern states. Um, I think the better thing for us to, to understand, and like you were mentioning, is that there's just a few that are roaming, um, very few that are roaming with any real distance. Uh, and the outcome is really bleak because, like you mentioned, the, as much open space as we have, or we, we humans like to think we have in the East, really there's, there's not much open space here. So these cats, they're, they're going to be seen if they come East, um, and likely bad things are going to happen. They're going to end up getting shot. They're going to end up getting hit by a car. Um, there's just that that eventuality is, is very, very sad, but it is what happens uh you know, granted, we can't prove anything about the Tennessee cat, but we suspect that as well. So the, the point is, though, that like you had mentioned, we literally track these cats very, very easily while they're on these, these journeys and these walkabouts because the East is literally packed with people when we compare it to the Western United States. So cats of this size, of legitimately giant size, these cats are going to get noticed and we can follow their trails easily. There's no question about what they are. Um, we don't look at these these photos and we scratch our heads incessantly and say we can't make any kind of decision. And then, again, because of the East being so populated, we get picture after picture after picture. So I think that that's, that's really evident um, that we don't have any. Okay, so it, with these single events, it sounds like there's really good explanations because – we, we tracked some of those cats, the Connecticut cat, the Tennessee cat. We, we knew that they came from the Black Hills, uh, the one that came up from the Florida population. These single events we can track pretty well. But outside of those known single events, there's, there's literally no evidence in the East that suggests cougars live anywhere. <laughs> no. So, yeah, other than the thousands and thousands of these supposed eyewitness accounts, no. Um, 
and and those are accounts are wrong so often that it it's honestly very very exhausting you know this just as well as i do um the the constant amount of, of arguments that you get in and pictures to evaluate um those accounts are, are so wrong that it really is difficult uh, to continue to maintain kind of your, your pep and, and hope that one of them is going to be real. But no, there is literally not a single shred of hard evidence. And honestly, there's not even really any soft evidence. Huh. There's, there's no evidence at all. All right. Okay. So cougars pretty much are Western species in North America. It's again, except for that little population around the Everglades, but Let's let's try to bring this back to the original topic. I'm not doing my my wicked witch of the east voice again because at the start of this podcast we were talking about the strange sound, which in case you didn't hear Stephanie mention it, that was actually a fox screaming in the night. But a lot of people will hear that sound and they have been told, especially years and years ago, probably still happening today. That they were told, oh, you hear those screams in the in the in the holler down there? That's a black panther. So, tell me again, why are there no black panthers in North America? Okay, so well, it is just it's it's really a bigger story than just North America. So, um, you know, while while it's pretty rare, there are black panthers, and by that again, using panther as the the common language term for panthera. So, I mean black jaguars or black leopards. Um, so they're rare, but there are black panthers. So, but one thing again, panther, pantheris, uh, just because people call a cougar, a lion or a panther doesn't actually make it one. So panther is from pantheris. So at least the leopard, you know, that you can have a, a, a black leopard, at least the, the leopard belongs in that family being called a black panther. But, um, again, just because people say a cougar is a panther or a cougar is a mountain lion, it's not a lion. It's not actually a panther. A rose is a rose and all that, that jazz. But um, so again, that before I go on a, another tirade, so black leopards or black jaguars, um, they're rare. Do you disagree with that statement? No, not at all. And in fact, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you and throw something in there. One of the things that's really interesting when it comes to melanistic jaguars and leopards, the the black panthers, the true black panthers, uh, typically they are found primarily in the deep jungle regions. So out on the plains in Africa, you don't see many black panthers. In the jungles of Southeast Asia, there tends to be more occurrences of black panther. Likewise, in South America, the melanistic or the black panthers or the black jaguars that are documented in South America tend to be in the jungles, Brazil, some of those heavily forested areas. And so the jaguars that come up through central New Mexico or central Mexico into that southernmost point of the U.S., it's wide open plains. And so you're likely not to get any type of melanistic jaguar in that area. Correct. So, but even, even as rare as they are with all of that, that you've just said, we have literally thousands of accounts of them, like thousands of pictures, panthers, leopards, um, you know, they, they just simply, they don't live here. Um, they're, they're overseas or they're down, you know, leopards anyway, are, are strictly overseas, uh, and jaguars, you know, like you just said, you've got a couple that might cross the border from Mexico into the Southwest, like El Jefe did, but none of those are black. So, Again, while they're rare, black leopards and black panthers are around. There's thousands of accounts, thousands of photos. Uh, and I stress that point because there has never, ever been a single bona fide, verified instance of a black cougar. And I don't mean, you know, never, ever in my lifetime. I don't mean never, never in my lifetime. You know, <laughs> yeah, not, not that shoulder, but I'll give you that one. Um, but so literally in the, the history of people looking at animals and classifying them and studying them there has never ever been especially in, and i'm going to to revert back to to recent history where we would know you know hey keep a pelt so i'm talking hundreds couple last few hundred years there has never ever been a, a verified instance of a black cougar there was a there's one grainy black and white image of um what what seemed like it could have been a melanistic cat that was shot in south america uh in the 1950s but there was no pelt or anything. So we, we really don't have anything to even qualify um, 
what species it was or if it was just a, a super wet cat or if it had, you know, been, you know, drugged through the mud before they got it hanging up. I, I don't know. There was nothing that they kept. So again, the mere fact that one has never, ever been observable um, and, and verifiable supports the theory that cougars really, they, they can't be that uniform black of a melanistic cat. So now we probably should say that even with the melanistic uh, jaguar or panther, in the right lighting, you can still kind of see hints of their darker black where their spots are. Um, but but cougars, yeah, again, there's there's nothing that supports that they can be that uniform dark. You might have uh, some light tan cougars that are going to have a, even a lighter tan underbelly. And you've got some that are like a really good deep tawny brown with, again, slightly lighter underbelly. But uh, a black cougar is, I mean, honestly, saying that that you have a, a black cougar is about as rare as saying you've got a Sasquatch or the Loch Ness monster downstairs in the basement. So it's, it's really something that's more for cryptozoologists, not for, for people to just fall prey to. Okay. I, I get that. And so true, true panthers or black panthers, leopards, jaguars, they, they simply do not exist in North America. Obviously the exception there is captive animals or pets that are brought in because Sometimes you see black panthers in zoos or, or some other display. But why in the world do you think people are always seeing them? Why, why is there this black panther belief out there? So, you know, honestly, it's, it's the adult version of, of the boogeyman. Um, people love believing in something that's scary and something that their subconscious wants to believe in. And you have to understand, us as human beings the deepest rooted fear that we have is something that can, can sneak up on us and with zero notice, super quiet, dark as, as night. So nobody else would ever see it and then prey on us. That is quite literally the inherent fear that has throughout the, the history of mankind has been inherent in us. So it's really driven into our psyche from the time that we're a human child, but much, much longer than that into our entire memory imprints. And we want to hold on to be that belief that there's, there's something scary and unexplainable out there. So, I mean, to kind of think of it, if you're, if you're in a tent um, out camping one night and you hear a stick break in, in the woods near you, your mind, it just immediately snaps onto things that are really far less likely, like, you know, oh, it's a bear or it's a cougar. Um, when in fact, it's, it's probably more suspect that it's a, a raccoon or a possum or a skunk or, you know, even a, a flying squirrel. So, the same thing really happens when people see a picture or something that's off in the distance. Your brain literally is just going to convince you that you saw something incredible uh, in what your, your, your psyche wanted to see rather than what you just saw. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And when I teach my cougar classes, one of the things that I'm trying to stress to people during those classes is you, your eyes are the easiest thing to fool. And in fact, I, I play a trick on the class, which... I'm giving it away because if you ever attend my class, you'll be looking for it. But I don't care. I'll still fool your eyes. Um, but I tell people all the time, you, you go to a magic show and you know that that magician is going to do sleight of hand. He's going to try to to trick you into seeing something that's not there or, or fool you with whatever magic trick he's doing. And here's the thing. Your brain is trying to catch the magician screwing up. You're trying to find that goof up to figure out how the trick is done. And almost every time, unless he's a really sucking magician, he fools you. He tricks, he tricks your, your eye, even when your brain is saying, this can't be happening and your eyes are fooled. Now imagine going out into the wilderness, outdoors, wherever you are, driving home late at night, and suddenly you see a flash of something run by you, and you're trying to discern it, just like you said, your brain is looking for that that extreme story. Oh my God, what did I see? Did, was, was that a cougar? Was that a black panther? And so instead of your brain trying to help you, your brain's trying to trick you. And so that's why I think so many people are absolutely convinced because their eyes see something that they, they didn't get a clear picture of. And now their brain is telling them exactly what they saw when in many cases, it's not exactly what they saw. No kidding. Right. And 
how many five-year-olds doing like a silly coin trick that their grandpa taught them actually still work on all of us. That's if you really think about it, that's so super scary and impacts what you, what you set up. If a five-year-old can, can fool you with a coin trick from grandpa, then you know, you're in bad shape. So, but anyway, to kind of go back to, to what you were saying, a prime example of that is that that Michigan photo from earlier this week that you sent to a bunch of us. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. I'm so glad you brought it up because I, I wanted to mention that. I think this is the perfect example. There, and for those listening, what had happened was there was a trail camera photo of this cat and some the, whoever took that photo wasn't exactly sure what kind of cat it was. This is, again, up in Michigan. And so they posted a picture of this trail camera photo on this Facebook forum that was to identify animals. It, it's, it's an animal identification forum. Most of the time they're putting up... Uh, footprints or tracks and people are trying to ID and they're really knowledgeable. The The vast majority of folks in that forum are really knowledgeable. And so when I started sifting through it and I saw this, this photograph of the trail camera, again, this was my job for 15 years. And I have been looking at literally hundreds, if not thousands of photos, learning how to identify the different cats. And as soon as I saw that photo, immediately I'm like, oh, that's a bobcat. And there's a number of telltale signs. Two of them that stood out the most was uh, there. there is a very distinct white stripe on the back of their ear. And that is, that is one of the surefire things that bobcats have. Now, someone brought it to my attention that a cougar could have that, but the percentage of cougars that have that stripe is minuscule. But bobcats... Yeah, and for the record, it's not usually a stripe for a cougar. It's usually a, a more... Uh you know, globular. So right away I saw, I saw the markings on the ear, but then there's markings on the leg. There's literally some facial tufts that you can see. And it was so crystal clear that it was a bobcat. And so then I started reading the comments. And again, these were fairly knowledgeable outdoor people. And they, it it was, I I wasn't even going to say 50, 50 is about 60, 40 where people were saying that's a cougar. And I told him, no, this is 100% Bobcat. And because there are so many people questioning it, we sent the photo to numerous wildlife biologists. I bet you, oh, seven or eight different wildlife biologists that literally specialize in the big game, the, the large cats. Every single one of them, they didn't even give it a second thought. They, they saw Bobcat immediately. And so it was yeah. positively identified. They even sent it to that, um, I forget, Dr. Michelle's, I forget her last name, but she does the cougar or not photo thing on, on Facebook. Right away, she said is a Bobcat. But where I'm going with this is I was then asked by the original person that posted if I could look at another forum of just where, where he submitted it. And it was general, uh, the general public, just people up in Michigan. And I looked at that thread and I counted one by one all the comments. And there was over 180 people that said it was a cougar and two people that said it was a bobcat. And it, it is plain as day to a wildlife biologist, it is a bobcat. And so that just goes yeah. to show the general psyche, the, the society wants to see the boogeyman. They want to see that scary creature, that big creature, or that phenomenal creature. Oh, yeah. I say, let's go with big and phenomenal because I don't want to demonize my favorite I cat know. here. But <laughs> I know I'm, the, I'm right there with but you. Because yeah, you sent it to me and I when I when I finally did open my text, I was like, oh, Bobcat, what do you want? And then. I, I didn't even know like half the time just for, for everybody else's knowledge. We never know when Daryl is quizzing us because he's looking for something for one of his uh, webcasts and he wants to see if it's going to be a good one to, to trick people, which he is darn good at with the grizzly pictures, just for the yeah. record. Um, so, you know, you never know what you're getting with Daryl. You just, you, you answer honestly. And then, uh, and that is what it is. You go on. So, but, but, you know, and, and I, I commend how you, you, responded back on that one because I did see the final outcome because I actually saw that on one of the uh, the Facebook things too with your description because let, let's be honest um, biologists are part of the problem here because biologists really could be more patient um, and use these instances to educate people rather than demean them because it is a great opportunity to describe 
what they're seeing versus what they should look for next time cousin Joe asks somebody to be an, an armchair biologist and identify a kitty or whatever animals in the picture. Well, you, you hit home by just saying what you said there, Steph, because uh, you know, as well as I, I, I do this work, you do this work. Lots of, lots of wonderful people are trying to talk to the general public and educate them on wildlife. And one of the things that, was really impactful in my career was when I was working for a state agency and there was, believe it or not, as you can imagine, there was a cougar sighting and the news station showed up to, to find out what's going on because obviously a cougar sighting is a really big thing in the East. And this particular cougar sighting was in Tennessee. And so it was, it was topping tonight's eyewitness news. And so myself, um, and a few other biologists went out there to investigate. And so they, the news agency interviewed one of the agency biologists. And they said, can you tell us what, what people are seeing? What, what is this that people are seeing out here? And the response was, it's a dog. And that was it. And, and it was like the most rude <laughs> comment. And I was like, yeah, one of these. We're going to have to tell people how you and I actually became friends because that's part of the story. <laughs> no, and so it's we absolutely, and I, I say we collectively as biologists, we have to do a better job talking to the public because there's many within our ranks that just do an awful job, and they end up confusing the public more than anything. And if they don't confuse the public, they piss them off. Now, I know this podcast has probably pissed off a lot of people, but at least we're nice pissing off people. So um, anyway, th this was such a wonderful podcast to do. I'm so glad we did it. What What do you want our next podcast to be, Steph? Because I'm, I'm really getting on a roll here. Yeah, so uh, I have to admit all this cougar talk has is, is put me uh, in a bit of a mind to help uh bridge corridors on why cougars would be amazing to have back on, on the Eastern landscape and, and other apex predators too. So I think uh, maybe instead of focusing on single individuals, let's just talk about apex predators and their role in ecological vigilance, which um, do I need to even explain that one? Uh, well, I know that's a Stephanie term. The, the way you and I talk is we'll explain it and we'll be talking for another 40 minutes. So let's hold it for the That's podcast. a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, that makes sense. So so how's that sound? Is ecological vigilance? Is that good with you? Yeah, you got it. And with that, I do want to thank everyone for joining in and listening in. I'm sure you have questions, comments. If you do, uh, don't forget to check out our website. But one of the biggest things, Steph, let them know how they could also follow us. So yeah, they can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Facebook is probably the primary way where you can tag us in and bring some thoughts to us and questions. Anything that you that you want to be engaged with us in, we are all over the, the Facebook and, and we'll get back to you. So, but Facebook and Twitter are our other options. So, all right, as usual, what we want to stress when it comes to wildlife folks, your knowledge is their existence. And thanks again for joining us today. Thanks. See you there. Bye.